Our culture has been described as a death avoidance culture. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. We even have a whole bunch of euphemisms so that we don't have to say the word. Many only confront death in any significant sense at funerals and today on Good Friday. And yet our understanding of death has important consequences for how we live our lives. If this is true of death in general, it is especially true of the death of Jesus. The passion narrative shows us what it means to truly live, ironically, by showing us how Jesus, the truth incarnate, is denied, mocked, and treated unjustly, and yet remains true at the cost of his life. His steadfast faithfulness in the face of death shows us how to live faithfully, not only as we approach death, but every day of our lives. During his earthly ministry, Jesus bore faithful witness to the truth. Through a series of signs, he manifested God's glory, that all who believe in him might have life in his name. But when Jesus was arrested, his closest friends and disciples abandoned him, abandoned the truth and the life for fear of death. There is a poignant moment in the denial of denial in the narrative. When the crowd comes asking for Jesus to arrest him, Jesus says, I am he. Actually, in Greek, he says, I am, which is a way of answering their question and at the same time taking on the divine name for himself. Remember Moses and the burning bush. Tell them, I am has sent you. Then Jesus is led away to be questioned by the high priest and Peter follows behind at a distance, under cover of darkness. But Peter is recognized by a woman who asks, aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter, who hours earlier boldly declared to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you, now answers, I am not. An ironic negation of Jesus of Jesus' I am, and a denial, not only of Jesus, but of his own true self. We are not so unlike Peter, <clears throat> torn between selfless loyalty to Jesus and a thousand voices urging us to save ourselves. As is so often the case, we exchange the truth about God for a lie, and the lie is that love must be denied to save ourselves to save ourselves from death, or any number of smaller deaths of self-denial which we face each day. So we deny Jesus to save ourselves. The irony is that our only hope in the face of death is the truth whom we deny, the truth who faced death for us because his love is stronger than death. He who is the truth, in whose mouth there was no deceit, has spoken. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. On this day, the truth was not only denied, it was also mocked. Jesus' life and ministry bore witness to his identity as the true king who had come to deliver his people from bondage to sin and death. 
in a shocking reversal of expectation, his kingship was mocked and ridiculed. Dressed in a crown of thorns and a royal robe, the truth was used to deride him. Hail, King of the Jews. The crowds saw only a joke, but the true King of Kings stood right in front of them and the soldiers received him with blows and his people. And his people with shouts of crucify. What sort of king would receive such treachery, despised and rejected by his people? How could the truth tolerate such false treatment? A truth is no less true for being mocked a king no less honorable for being dishonored. But those who have grown comfortable ruling over their own little kingdoms of self can find it easier to mock the king than to yield his throne. The irony is that the true king's throne was too dishonorable for us to bear, for his throne was his cross, the shame of which he bore for the shameless. Here is your king, high and lifted up on the cross, inviting you to take up your place beside him, saying, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. But Jesus also came to bring to fulfillment our human vocation, a vocation to reflect God's image out into the world. The history of humanity's attempt to live into this calling is a sad story of God's image being distorted and denied. In Jesus, we see the perfect image of God, humanity's vocation perfectly accomplished. So when Pilate brings Jesus out before the people and says, behold, the man, we are supposed to see the deeper significance that this is indeed the true man. This is what it looks like to reflect God's image in the world. And the irony is that when Jesus is put in display before his people, instead of seeing the true image of our hum human identity and calling, the innocent one is condemned and the guilty set free. In a strange sense, it had to be this way. By a perversion of justice, he was taken away, stricken for the transgression of God's people. The great irony is that the whole narrative is shot through with the truth about Jesus, even while he is being denied, mocked, and abused. After all, he was truthful to the last. He was hailed and arrayed as king. He was repeatedly declared innocent by his human judge. But the truth is costly, and it is easier to deny a costly truth than to pay the cost ourselves easier to mock the king than to yield our seat on his throne, easier to condemn a life that exposes our injustice than to live justly ourselves. In Jesus, we see that cost paid in full. Though denied, he remained faithful. Though mocked, he took up his kingly mantle. Through a perversion of justice, he secured justice for his people at the cost of his life. 
Though he was innocent, yet for our sakes he bore the shame and disgrace of the guilty, so that those whose guilt he bore might be set free from their bondage to sin and to death, and live a truly human life in him. For if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Let us pray. Remember, O Jesus, the vinegar and the gall, that bitter cup which thou didst taste for the ungodly. And let the bitterness which was thy portion be to us a cause of everlasting sweetness. In thy holy name we pray.